There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to another episode of the Element Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to make sure and let you guys know we're doing a new giveaway, and this is an awesome one. We've got two premium memberships for free that we're giving away to the Onyx uh, mapping system, and this is, an, this is an awesome tool. Casey and I both have premium memberships, so uh, make sure that you give us an iTunes review here within the next month or so to have a chance at one of these two free premium memberships from Onyx. The deadline for the giveaway is September 6th, so go ahead and give us an iTunes review real quick and then enjoy the rest of this podcast. I'm here with everybody's favorite, KC Smith. What have we been doing? Oh, well, depends on how far back you want to talk. So (laughs) the past hour we've been driving down the wrong road, but Uh besides that, uh, we've been hanging out in Nolan's. New Orleans, New Orleans, however you want to say it. I've said it all three ways in my life. Um, at the QDMA uh, National Convention, DeerCon, or hashtag DeerCon18. There you go. Yeah, and uh, learning a ton about whitetails from some of the smartest minds in the whitetail world. So uh, it's been a pretty great time. I ate a lot of good Cajun food, man. What was your, what was your favorite meal that you had while we were here? My favorite meal was a chicken andouille gumbo mm. that I had from a place called the Gumbo Shop. Mm. And it was very good. It was uh, My dad makes a duck gumbo that's about as strong a food I've ever had. I love it, man. Yeah. But uh, this gumbo, in a different way, was the best gumbo that I've ever had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure enough. Um, yeah, it's uh, kind of funny because that's also the best meal I had, except I had a different plate. I had their, like sampler whatever they called it but it had a like a shrimp creole a etouffee and a jambalaya 
all mixed up. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I think etouffee might be one of my favorite things. Oh, man. My it mom makes good. such a good etouffee. Yeah. Um, I mean, how does that rank up against the meal that we just had for you? Of Taco Bell? Yeah. Uh, probably a lot higher. <laughs> okay, so. I actually you, don't feel good if, right now. I don't either. You if know? you go to Taco Bell often, which I don't, but if I do eat fast food, a lot of times it's Taco Bell Whataburger. Then you know that, like, Taco Bell, like, there's these ratings of Taco Bell, and it's like a rating of stinginess, like a stinginess scale, okay? Okay. And it might depend on the cook, but usually just depends on the location. Like, I know for a fact that when I go to Sulphur Springs Taco Bell, they're about to load me up on yeah. some Taco Bell stuff. Mm-hmm. They also they, will work with you on a number six and give you gorditas instead yeah, of chalupas. Yeah, for real. Like, sorry, that's just too much. I can't handle, like any variance in the menu but yeah. like the Taco Bell we had they didn't put a lot of a lot of goodness inside of our shells so no. uh, it left us wanting more and not wanting more at the same time yeah but, I mean usually about the time I finish Taco Bell's and I'm like ugh regret mm, you know it starts to set in yeah but. Uh, today on the podcast we have a couple of guys that we were lucky enough to uh, pass by and have a little chat with at some point and then meet up with later on to do the podcast um adam keith and matt dive land a legacy so uh really looking forward to getting into this episode but um i kind of feel like right now are you still wanting to boot in ball <laughs> oh i would like to but i think we're gonna miss shreveport which is kind of our last chance at getting a boot in ball yeah we're starting so, to get i don't know once you get into north louisiana you uh it gets a lot less Cajun. Yeah. From what I've understood. And yeah. when I've been here, it seems that way as well. But uh, what else we got going on? Oh, we're about to check some trail cameras, dude. Oh, my goodness. we actually been uh, looking at trail camera pictures along the way, evaluating things, evaluating, like, what deer we'd like to see on camera and stuff and figured out. I just figured out, a side note, I'm having a hard time dropping my, like, Louisiana Southern man voice that I kind yeah. of developed while we was down mm-hmm. here. Yep. Um, but so don't laugh at me if you hear that. But uh, we, um, which I out. think our our what? I think our accent is not really Louisiana. Yeah, it's a southeast kind of thing. Yeah, which they, comes with the, the the QDMA. I think. Yeah, more than anything. <laughs> I think. Ooh, bumps. Um, <laughs> yeah, it does. Anyways, back on the trail camera stuff. We've been looking at some uh, pictures from last year looking at deer that we know made it through the season from our you know late can late season camera hangs and we know that definitely two of our targets like 100 percent made it through deer season so uh minus vehicles or poaching or disease or i guess old age death which probably hopefully isn't an issue uh we should have a chance at those deer next year unless they just don't roam our direction for some reason or whatever and what's neat about the trip we just went on at the QA banquet, yeah, a couple things, of course, but now that this event is over, we are headed back, and that's like a number one on the top of our minds. Yeah, like it's about to happen. Like by the time you guys listen to this podcast, actually, we'll probably have already checked the cameras. Yeah. You know, like it's an exciting time because there's going to be, you know, if you've been following, like it's a, uh, I'm trying not to get too hyped up about like what information we might get from these pools but there's a chance that we get some really good information 
that helps us target one of the bucks that we've kind of been targeting, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, it helps us to narrow down that that uh, the patterns and hopefully maybe get on something in early season. And uh, if nothing else, you know, we don't see anything else, we're probably going to be moving cameras. And then there's the excitement of possibility of having success there, you know. So yeah, sure. it's a good time of year. It's uh, super hot, so we're going to try to get out in the morning, early in the morning whenever we do go to do that. So, like, usually we're disappointed in, like, trigger speed and all that kind of thing, you know. But uh, if you've watched any of our reviews, you know, we tend to find a good camera here and there uh, on the cheap end of things. But uh, Exodus Gear is sending us some trail cameras, and we are excited to to make that happen. So Yeah, man, I'm ready to get back out and uh, to get those cameras set out, too, because... Uh we have got quite a few places that we really need to get some quality information from and figure out a way. I mean, we talked about this um, a lot this weekend between you and I and other people that we were having conversation with. Like, one of our big goals this season that we, ha- we really want to set out to accomplish is to take a deer in October where on the public land that we hunt in Texas because that's going to really take some of the pressure off for us trying to travel out of state and hunt too. Yeah, and like the pressure... I don't know if just in case you might have uh, be, be thinking about this a different way, but like the pressure is obviously, you know, like you spend a little money on some different tags and you want to be able to, you know, ultimately, like, of course you, you expect, like we talked about with Alex Comstock the other day, you expect to be successful. That's the expectation. And mm-hmm. so uh, to be successful in multiple states, you kind of have to like, either get really lucky at the end of the year or shoot one a little bit early and shoot one a little bit late kind of thing sure. you know so well it's like what we were talking about earlier you know the pressure is to like get all your deer taken right? and like you want to take your targets and last year we were just looking at these pictures from last year and leader who was a target for me we were headed to the midwest when leader walked right through our shooting lane in the middle of daylight right yeah. like it's just it would be such a a victory to go ahead and take care of some business here before we head out that way you're not sitting in one stand thinking about another one yeah oh yeah for sure there's that and and also just like having some uh having some meat i know it's such a cliche but having some meat in the freezer and uh just like i don't know one thing that's cool to me that i love and i don't know like some people probably think this is like bad juju or whatever but uh like when you go on a trip a deer hunting trip to have like some deer stew or deer jerky or something like that it's always a cool thing I think you know it's, cool. it's like it's just part of the experience that i like man yeah and uh but yeah so like now that we have reconfirmed this in our minds because we had forgotten in the last couple of months but we've reconfirmed that that leader is still or still around um like what is that what are your thoughts what are your first thoughts initially because um, I know surely you're game planning a little bit already. <laughs> I mean, have you got anything that comes to mind uh, as to how like how he would approach hunting him if he ends up showing up on these cameras in the same areas he did last early season, late summer kind of? Yeah, so the special thing about Leader is he currently is the deer that I have the most history with of any deer on public land, of any deer that's alive right now, right? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my photos of him go back to November 11th of 2016. And this year, he didn't show up till uh, December 30th. I mean, I'm sorry, October 31st. 
So I'm thinking that around that first week in November is when he shows up in that area. Um, I don't know that for a, for a fact, but I do know that last year we didn't get any pictures of him before then, and we had a camera, we had camera, there. camera there. Yeah, and there were several bucks. Yeah, that we, had we did have on. a lot of pictures of bucks. So I'm thinking a that like I'm not going to be leader specific. Don't get me wrong. If I have an opportunity at a different deer in October, then we're going to kill him. Um, then B, uh, we might be looking for you a buck in October if leader's not showing up and we don't have other targets, you know, over there mm-hmm. or or whatever. But if it does come around to where we are in Texas for that first week of November and I've got the right wind, you better know where I'm going to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know in October we also feel like we hunted that area a little wrong, right? Yeah, sure enough. Like we weren't quite close enough to oaks. And that uh, sounds like it's such a dumb thing like that we, we did. And it really kind of is, you know. But like yeah. we just had, I guess we were relying on previous trail camera info uh more than we should have been i guess but we felt good about where we sat it just wasn't obviously in our opinions at least not close enough to yeah. uh, oak trees but i'm not going to rely on last year's data for this year either like uh we need to just be more observant in the here and now on that oak tree thing man yeah. because there could be a situation where this year's not a good oak harvest you know it's been a much different year not harvest a good massed crop mm-hmm. it's been a much different year than it was last year we didn't get as much early rains and it's been a hotter summer in general i don't know what that's going to do to the acorn crop but it could definitely change it and then you know your red oaks are every other year trees and Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you only get red oaks every other year but that tree in particular is not going to have an acorn that year right you know so uh, it could really change up the whole oak thing as well yeah and this is something i thought about the other day uh i don't remember i was just just randomly in the middle of the day i was like you know because we one of our places um that i'm planning on doing some early season sitting for target buck is um if we can pick that buck up again this year on trail camera is uh under some shoemards you know Mm -hmm. and i'm really excited about the spot that we found that i think has a lot of potential um, but I've been thinking, like, man, we need to go in there with binos this time and see if we're seeing any acorns develop because, um, you know, Schumart is a pretty big acorn. So, like, mm-hmm. at this point, I would think you should start being able to see them. I uh, don't know that from a fact, from experience, because we really haven't known about Schumarts for even a year now probably. So. I checked the other day. It wasn't a Schumart tree, but I could already see acorns that were about the size of a sweet pea. So okay. uh, we're going to be able to see them cool that's yeah yeah, that's so that's kind of part of my plan if they're if they look like they're going to put off this year um pretty well then it's going to kind of confirm that spot in my mind is this place that i need to be and the the great thing about that spot and a couple other spots over on in that particular uh track is that like depending on what the wind is that day um you know we can we can go over to that spot because the I think what I need on is an east wind on most of the spots that I'm looking at over there, whereas uh, a lot of the stuff you hunt is more north and south kind of things, mm-hmm. you know. So it's good that if we have more of an easter wind that I can kind of, like we're not going to be stepping on each other's toes at all, you know, that time of yeah, year. So sure. it actually works out really well. And But um, what's, what's neat about this year is that a lot of these places, uh, I bet you and I are both going to be bringing a bow in. To the stand, especially yeah. since we've 
uh, added the GoPro to the filming arsenal. Mm-hmm. You know, we, that second angle isn't going to be near as much of a weight or a burden. Mm-hmm. And um, also, we don't have two cameras to mess with exposure and focus and stuff like that in the stand. Mm-hmm. So I, I would imagine for sure that on Babylon, I'm I'm down with bringing two bows in the stand, and yeah. then maybe over on TL too. You know. Well, th- yeah, and the thing is about Babylon is like at certain at certain times in our trail camera info over there, um, it's like we've had multiple bucks come through on the same day or yeah. whatever. And so like, and then there, and then there's, you know, sometimes there's long periods where no bucks are in the area. Mm-hmm. It seems like for a week or more, you know? And so, uh, but that kind of gives you hope that like, yeah, I mean, if it's a rut day or even in October, if you get like some, a bachelor group that comes through there, it could be one of those rare situations where you shoot at a deer right under the stand at 10 yards and they, bound out there to like you know 37 or whatever and the other guy gets the opportunity at 37 on the other buck you know or yeah. something like that if they're still kind of batched up in october so it's a it is a neat situation that we have over there that's uh, in my opinion rare and we're lucky uh that you have uh the prowess to find something like that man <laughs> um yeah you're just a map scouting dude and a and all around good woodsman. So well, thanks, man. It's yeah. uh, it's been fun. I hope that that spot is as good on uh, this year as it has been in the past for us. You mm-hmm. know, but I do feel, and you talk, you know, I talked about this too. Like uh, last year was probably the biggest learning year that we've had. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just learned a ton. And I feel so much better about so many more hunting spots than I have in the past. You know, yeah. and I feel like that's how our walk is going to continue to grow. You know, like we just are, we're going to. Of course, it's probably going to level out because you can only scout out so many places. But we're going to continue to just be able to have more confidence in more different locations and and find more bucks and have a knack for for figuring out where these bucks are hiding whenever you got guys running all over the woods. Yeah, and, you know, kind of speaking of that, like uh, we may have talked about this recently, but there was a, there was a camera that we hung last year uh, on the way back from Colorado, I believe. Yeah. And um, it was on this big piece of property, very large piece of property. Um, and we were able to move that camera a little bit later in the season once we could finally get back that way. And we picked up some really good rut activity, like late November rut activity, cruising mm-hmm. kind of stuff, you know, maybe second rut. I don't know. It's hard to tell in our area, but like for sure cruising activity and it's one of those spots that also sets up well for wind that is different than what you would want to hunt at babylon say mm-hmm. or something like that you know so it's like um another area that we have kind of in our arsenal that's like you know if uh, this isn't working and we saw somebody in here a week ago or whatever we can roll over there and and try that spot out for a day or two you know and head back so Anyway, I'm I'm really excited about those opportunities that we have, and uh, that also like just the how everything seems to be really matching up well, uh, as far as like getting us into stands that are on different winds and that kind of thing. Because I know going in last year, there was a couple times where we were like, we thought at one point we thought like every stand we have hunts the same wind, you know, <laughs> except for maybe one or whatever. And now like because of that intel, we have several places that we know are going to be hunting on different winds and even some places that uh we figured out are you know hunting on different winds 
because we hunted there and used, you know, milkweed or whatever and figured out that this spot doesn't quite hunt the way we thought it originally would, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really jacked up if you can't tell. And uh, hopefully the next time you hear from us, we will be uh, coming to you with some trail camera info and, and uh, some thoughts from our first pulls of the summer uh, and our, our uh, second trip out to some of our public land spots or big second big epic trip out to some of these spots and um anyway really excited but i think uh, you guys are going to appreciate some of the info you get here Uh, i know we talk a lot about public land but uh, this is kind of a pump fest for you know possibly people who have their own land or buying your own land and the things that you can do with it um that may be income producing but not hurt the deer herd some of that kind of stuff so i really uh, I'm excited to bring you this thing. These are some really cool guys that we had the, the pleasure of meeting and uh, growing up with pretty good at the QDMA National Convention this year. Um, and these guys are from Landon Legacy. So let's check it out. Let's get to them right now. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just hit record, so that's probably going to be the intro that's to our good. podcast. Yeah. Okay, so we're sitting here with Adam Keith and Matt Dye of Land and Legacy. You guys run a podcast. You are real tours, right? <laughs> That's right. And yes. uh, you happen to be partners. Is that right? Uh, we <laughs> business partners. Business right. okay. partners. Okay. And brother-in-laws. That's it. Oh, oh really? That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Our yeah. wives are sisters. Yep. Cool. That's Guilty. cool. Sister There's wives. a show about y'all, right? Sister, <laughs> yeah, sister wives. Right? Sister yeah, wives. that's right. Okay. That's right. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Actually, cool. that's the the new episode or the uh, new we air series. next season. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next season. <laughs> right. Yeah. Midwestern uh, sister wives. I'm glad we could reveal that on this podcast. Yeah. That ought to be little good. known fact. <laughs> so what? Uh, I mean, we were trying to like cash out what you guys do. You wear many hats, kind of like right, right, our, like we do. But what uh, what do you consider? yourselves is doing you the know, most you get this question a lot like when you're filing like let's just say i went to the doctor a month ago and it's like what's your occupation and i have to like hmm what do i write here mm-hmm. which one is gonna keep how me out of trouble how many lines do we have <laughs> which right? one yeah. keeps my insurance lower it depends on the bank if you're like applying for a loan or <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, you have yeah. different occupations right. to fill in there yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly it so <laughs> to give you an idea of what we are i i would say that consultant a land consultant is is kind of the 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 thing that we really like yeah that's the heartbeat of what we do um because that is what we're passionate about the most i mean we're passionate about everything we really do but the the consultant side that's where we really pour out the the passion toward to land um and and help so many landowners across the country Mm. but we're also agents because of that so now we can help people find the land or sell the land and then help the next person with that land and improving the habitat for the native species. Mm -hmm. Cool, man. Well, I could tell right off the bat, like when I met you guys, we were going to be best friends. Yeah, like, best friends for life. I just knew. I just knew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like, that's right. There's something about you that's like. We're going to get matching tattoos can, after this. I can tell. New, New Orleans for life, actually. <laughs> yeah. Bourbon Street. NOFL, baby. I don't know if I want a tattoo from Bourbon Street. <laughs> no. Make sure no. they change the needles. Yeah. No. <laughs> You just never know what you're going to get with us, right? That's right. That's right. That's why I knew we were going to be best friends. Um, so I guess we'll just hop into this. The dream for a guy like me is mm-hmm. like to own some property. Like that's I'm, right. I probably never will own a Don't large say chunk. Never. 
You never probably, know. probably, but um, but I might. Um, I would like to. I'm just not. I'm probably not like as driven as some people make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I feel like maybe I won't. But I would like to own a small property at some point. Yeah. Okay. So I think a lot of people can relate to this. Like uh, the management aspect of it and everything is is kind of what you look for. But like I don't know. We're when you're when you're like 20, 10 years. It seems like forever. But you're only 30 at that point, right? Um, so, like, I guess when you start thinking about that, it always feels too late. You know what I'm saying? When you start thinking about, like, what is the plan that I need to put into place to get this property? And so, like, is there, like, for guys like us, young guys, is there a three-year or a five-year plan that, like, is actually a tangible plan that you can say, I should be able to, like, buy a property in that many years? Or do you have to... I mean, are most people going to have to, like, be putting the back money for 10, 15 years to do something Com- like that? Completely dependable upon the acreage that you want to buy, mm-hmm. what you want to do with it. Because if you can produce an income on it, mm-hmm. you know, you can make money. You can get different types of loans. And if you have a residence on it, you can get other types of loans and all this other stuff that just makes that that answer so complicated. Um I'm hearing a little background. Yeah, Where's that happening? music coming from? <laughs> That's cool. Turned into a... Cl- is it outside? Is it I don't think so. I don't know, but yeah. I kind of like it, right? Yeah. This is, a, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is like delaying a beat, right? That's, yeah. right? That's funny. Yeah. That ain't my phone. <laughs> That's right. uh, Was that well, it? Uh-uh. Maybe it's somebody outside. I don't know. Uh, we're in New Orleans, so that's right. It could got it the could street be. music going out that's here. Right. Yeah, that's right. You never know. Okay. Just keep I, it, I don't know. It just keep got it started. <laughs> Get a little louder. <laughs> there's a little, there's a little louder. pause. Yeah. By the end of it, Heck we're yeah. gonna be like yelling at the club. Like, hey, what do you think about buying land? <laughs> yeah. That's what. Well, so that's what I want. I, like, I want this to be a hot fest. I want this to be something like. You guys can go do this, you know, whoever's listening to this. But more importantly, I want you all to make me believe it because yeah, well, it's it's so true, though. I mean, and it depends on, of course. You, of course, you got to talk about finances. It depends on that and your ability to save money and be able to put it away to be able to make initial down payments. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. is important. But once you can do that on a property of the size, your options become a lot more open. Um, and here's, here's an idea, too. When you look at land, you always think of owning the prestigious ranch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a huge cost, obviously. That's why we You're don't own it. paying them. for its pristineness. But right. how do you get there? How mm-hmm. do you get to that point? And, and a lot of times you can look at it from going... Well, let's think about a house. Let's say you're in the housing market, and you're like, well, I'm going to first build a smaller home. To I, I know that I can find a buyer for that. And as soon as I make, I get that property so or that house sold, I'm going to b- build a little bit bigger one, and then I'm going to get that one sold, and I'm just going to build up to where I, I have the means to buy the big one. Mm-hmm. And same thing with land. If you're looking at it from a investment to try and get to where you want to be, you're going to say, all right, I want the small property that's rough, that's not that most people are overlooking, mm-hmm. and I'm going to buy it at a lower cost and improve it and put the put the work in to make it more valuable. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to move on to the next one and try to build up to where you can get to that. It's, yeah, it's sure. probably no different. You, you can probably really, you know, find a lot of application that because of the renovations in homes. Like, mm-hmm. you buy crappy ones, and then you fix them up, and you sell them at a higher price. Sure. The same thing can be said for land. If, if you can put in the elbow grease... Um, things that improve property value are water resources, roads. Um, if you if it's a recreational property, uh, food plots, sometimes stands and blinds in place, all that stuff. And like, improving the timber to where it's yeah. now on a 
timber planned where there's more money to be timber. made in the future. Right. That's going to increase if, the value. And yeah. even if the timber's not there when you buy it, you can do the work to speed up the process where those logs, those trees get bigger faster. You mm-hmm. cut out the crap and you leave the crop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, just and so happens you improve the, the quality of ha- habitat for the wildlife too. Yeah. You get some giant bucks on camera and then you take it to a, a businessman who sees huge deer and in this nice little investment property closer to home and he says i'm gonna jump all over that and he pays whatever double what you paid and you just Fingers build crossed. that up yeah, yeah. yeah. but e- even if not though you roll that into another um property with a 1031 exchange or whatever and then you don't have to pay taxes on the income and then you have another property that's bigger and you can do the same thing yeah yeah so 1031 exchange can you explain explain that a little bit oh gosh um, that's why you don't say it, because then they're going to ask you to explain it. <laughs> so basically, it's a way for you to take the money that you get from the sale of a property and put it as an as a in investment, a down payment, into the next property. And because you're you're just transferring... You're not claiming it as income, correct. basically. You're right. transferring and you're moving um, that money right into another investment. Mm-hmm. Is there so a, you don't have to pay a limit on years? Like you can only do it three times in seven years or anything there like that? There are limits. It depends on the states, stuff yeah. like that. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So earlier you talked about... Um, like a big thing for me, and I want to kind of talk about a little bit like the uh, the speed bumps for like guys our mm-hmm. age. Okay, so first thing that you talked about is that, uh, you know, a little bit of elbow grease can improve the value of property. That's the one thing we do have going for us. You know, it's like a, a, a younger sector of the population who wants to invest in land, right? Yeah. Like we have energy. We have muscles. We can do this stuff. We're not old and decrepit yet, you know, like we can go out and do this, <laughs> these, these things in our properties and not yeah. have to hire That's hands why to they, do it. The old guys have the limp because of doing the work. Right. We just right. don't have the limp yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, or the sometimes. bad back. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so we got that. But uh, you talked about down payment earlier. And I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of maybe pick y'all's brain a little bit more about, um, say, for instance, uh, me and my wife are at a p- position where we have the monthly income to be able to find this piece of property, no problem. But sometimes it's hard coming up with that either that lump sum or the collateral or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is, do you have a plan of action like to, towards, you know, maybe setting a goal for what size property, what value of property you want, and then kind of getting to the point where you can either have the collateral or the down payment in cash to, you know, make that step? You're asking, is there a plan? Yeah. Like, do you so, have a plan? Hmm. I think that's, that's very probably variable among your the individual. family. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. only individual. What, you know... It, if you want to, if you got it now, and I don't know if you guys have kids or not, but like, oh, you're gonna throw kids in the mix later on. So that's gonna change things, <laughs> yeah, you know? No kidding. Hmm. No, that's a down that's payment a on the land, but uh, Johnny needs new shoes. I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna sell my kid. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Right, right. <laughs> we didn't say kid. We said kidney. If oh, you right. have a kidney to sell. That is a good plan, actually. I don't need a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them, right. <laughs> When it comes to down payment, to me, it's just it's the same process with the house. Is you know, you you try to figure out a way. And mm-hmm. and my wife and I bought our first house, and it was like. You, you, we had a smaller down payment, and we found we just found a way to make it work. And and part of that was, um, I don't even know. We we took a, a a loan from half of it was for my parents, a gift from my parents. But we, I guess you don't say a gift because we just paid them back. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that that would depend on the individual, I believe. Um, I mean, is there? To, you, you know, I, I want to say something when I, when we're talking about land. I think so many people look at it and go. I want to own land that I can just hunt, and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But do you, when you buy a house, do you have the plan of never reselling it, and as soon as you move out, you just keep it and never make return money on it? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, to me, maybe it's 
trying to be in a business mindset is I always want to find a way to try and make money off of it. Mm-hmm. And so there's people now, what I see people that are really making money off of small acreages are these hobby-type farmers who, who buy four acres or five acres and they do nothing but organic vegetables and they make their they whole the living off lifestyle, of lifestyle, but mm-hmm. close to the city though too. Yeah. And, and so where you, I don't even know, we didn't even talk where exactly you guys are in Texas, but I mean, I'm sure there's a town or a city close by that was that I don't know of a place in the country that's not in favor of this whole organic produce right. type yeah, sure. stuff mm-hmm. and to and they hit the farmers markets. And there's people that are making way better money than than us combined probably in this room just on selling Goat cheese, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. No, no, no. Organic. Goat <laughs> yeah, that's organic. Right. That's right. Yeah. And, and and that to me, like, if I am, I was blessed to have a family farm as soon as I was born in this world, and I still have it today. And uh, so I, I take a little bit for granted the 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 dream of dirt. But mm-hmm. I guess there's a neighbor's property that was the original Keith place and that's always been in my mind i want to buy that place mm-hmm. and so how do i get there well i gotta find a way to make money off that farm i gotta first figure out a way to make money now to put the down payment to buy that and then mm-hmm. turn around and make money off of it mm-hmm. so like on that on that uh note right there like our in y'all's area i guess in your area uh from what i saw in the presentation you did today um a lot of rocks, a lot yeah. of uh, yeah. kind of like untillable stuff, it looked like. You That's know? right. So our area, um, we used to have a lot of sweet potatoes and uh, watermelon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's all gone by the wayside now. And so like if you, for like a pretty large radius in our area, it's dairy country. Mm-hmm. And we all know that cattle are not Ooh. good for deer hunting. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, So then we've got... Uh, also, all of our fields are in coastal Bermuda, so like mm. no value to deer, deer or deer hunters. That's right. Really. So, I guess my question is like, how um, we also don't have like timber that is worth anything, really. What um, is it? Post oaks. It's post, post oaks. oaks yeah. yeah. So, I, 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 this is the rest of the podcast right here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, there's a struggle to, to justify buying a piece of property when you know. I mean, honestly, we're deer hunters. Like, we want to improve the deer hunting mm-hmm. on the on the property, but the struggle is to go. Hey, uh, you know, I know y'all are partners and all, but like, my wife Business. doesn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, but my wife doesn't uh, hunt that much, right? So, yeah. like, to justify, um, hey, we're gonna hunt on this property or I'm going to buy this property for hunting, but you know, like you kind of need to make some money off that property. Yeah, but, right. Or homestead I don't wanna... Like that's kind of our situation. Right. Like the first mm-hmm. property we we're going to buy, we're probably going to have to put a house on it. You yeah. Know? yeah. So that my question that for you situation. is who yeah. told you cattle are bad for deer? I just I experienced it. it. So here's my next question. What, uh, when you dial back and say, you know, I told you we love the native landscape. So what was here as far as large herbivores, Going hand in hand with whitetail deer, bison, bison, yeah, and, and so which were in your area historically. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we're yeah. kind of on the borderline. Yeah. It's kind of questionable, but so, yeah, for further the point, yeah, we'll continue that. Yeah. So what what has changed in that when you think about the large herbivore? How is it different today? Let's just for simplicity, it's not a bison or a cat. It's just a large herbivore. What's different? Management. Mm-hmm. We leave, we dump cows on yep. a piece of ground, and we leave them there year round. They eat the best, leave the junk, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And we plant non-native 
perennial grasses like what do you call it coastal, coastal Bermuda. Bermuda. Yeah, yeah terrible and, that's what uh, Roy had on his place yeah and so it's just like uh, how how is that any benefit to the quail to the birds to anything and mm-hmm. it's really beneficial to the cows so for me if you were to ask my ideal farm cows are a huge part of it that's where we make money yeah. it's too rocky to grow crops back home and we make our money in cows. And you well, can you have cattle sh- on that place. There's yeah, cattle on that place. Yeah, absolutely. You can you but can cut ma- the the taxes though too because it's a farm. You're making income off the property, so mm-hmm. it lessens you know what you're having to pay out every single year. And you can get too, a whole lot easier loan for a farm farm than a wreck farm. USDA new farmers mm-hmm. loan, like zero. What is it? Zero percent down. Um, so I'm talking I mean, about like it's take some very, notes very, here. <laughs> but you have to go through well, a lot of paperwork well, and stuff well, to get right. it. But like if we'll you're a new farmer, you after the yeah. podcast. <laughs> but seriously, if you go through that avenue um, as a new farmer acquiring land, they make it so much because it's just like hunters. Honestly, we talked about it all week here at QDMA is there's not as many um, new hunters coming in. So this is the the programs that they're trying to. Um, basically open up for new farmers to get started we're losing farmers too and this is what they're doing making buying land more feasible so it's like 40-year payoff stuff if you can show income and stuff from farming operations on a property mm-hmm. wow so you makes know, it you, more feasible you think about so, adding cows how, how do you keep cows and the hunting and make it make it beneficial and and it's more of a rotational standpoint and and you find ways to incorporate more diversity in the landscape that's beneficial to the cows and beneficial to the deer. Yep. So coastal Bermuda isn't going to cut it. What that, is the native bye-bye. what's the native landscape in your area? I probably big blue stem, I guess. I would think so big blue, little blue, yeah. Yeah. all kinds of native that's forbs, wildflowers, all that yeah. stuff that you think of the Great Plains and and you have your post oak probably from sounds of post oak Woodland, cross, 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 cross timbers region. Yeah. yeah. So you're looking at an an amazing ecosystem opportunity to graze naturally with with incredible forage opportunities. So I don't. I mean, we we just met this weekend, fellers, and and I'm. We're <laughs> you just said talk, fellers. Fellers. I like that. <laughs> you know, like here's we all almost were south. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. We're having a podcast with guys from Texas, Matt, and we're the only ones wearing boots. <laughs> well, well we didn't have to give a presentation today. You know? That's right. Being That's comfy. Right. The thing with these is I can just slip them right off. But over I thought there. guys in Texas, all, like I told you when I walked in here, you always wore boots. You always wore Wranglers. You always listened to George Trey. I know we I wrote. Were Covered wagon for the gear, <laughs> yeah, the podcast gear. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. So when you think about that that ecosystem having a lot of native warm season grass, big blue, little blue, mm-hmm. and you think about from cow standpoint, that's amazing forage during the summer months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So during the summer months, you can graze. Now I'm giving you all top secret stuff yes, here. Yes, I'm digging it, dude. So you could graze your cows, bring in, do more like a contract grazing, or even you just, you know, you know what the Flint Hills of Kansas are. Yeah. Um, same kind of ecosystem where you've got a lot of those similar grasses and forbs, and they contract out grazing during the summer months to where they can put these cows on this grass when it's hot, but it's not tall fescue and mm-hmm. and uh so they're doing great they're thriving on they're gaining it. throughout they're, the summer where most places they don't gain our weight. cows our cows don't really gain in missouri because they're on tall fescue which has an end of fight which means in the higher, summer higher temperatures um to where basically they're just 
they're just stable. They're just neutral getting mm-hmm. through the summer. But on native grasses, they continue to gain. You can do the same thing on, on native grasses in Texas. And so you turn the cows in during that June to August, pull them out, and so you have cows. Mm-hmm. You have it's a cattle farm, but during hunting season, they ain't a cow around. Right. And mm-hmm. you give those plant communities plenty of time to recover to where you still have great bedding mm-hmm. and, and, and that's the same like that's just one model that's just bringing cattle into it you could have you can even make it just a vegetable farm or a portion of it. its vegetables sell at the farmer's market that's a type of income off that property that could be classified as farming mm-hmm. or or it's chickens free-range chickens if you could set up a portion designate just a portion of it it doesn't have to be uh, you know 20% of the farm, just as long as you're showing portions of income or X amount, whatever the um, loan all says, but then the rest of it is devoted to wildlife, habitat, and manage it however the heck you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know? and, and then it's a, you get back into that managing the timber to where if it's not productive timber, you cut it more and you get more grasses, so now you have more acres to graze. Mm-hmm. And, and in that whole process, you're just improving the value of the land because now you've got a farm that was once just kind of neglected to now it's very productive to where if you did want to get a bigger farm you have that option so on on y'all's place are you do you y'all graze the whole thing or do y'all have sections that you graze it's in the process so we're we're in this whole facelift phase to where right now we have closed canopy forest we have fescue pasture and it's pretty much all fescue pasture with mixed in weeds or whatever but for the most part, it's pretty neglected. Mm-hmm. And now, and due to work commitments and everything like that, we're just now getting into this whole restoration process. Mm-hmm. So we're going right now, my family farm's 282 acres and probably 100 to 120 grazing acres. When it's all said and done, we want almost every acre to be able to graze because it has some sort of beneficial um, grass or forb mm-hmm. growing. And so then you turn but that they'll into They'll be our- grazing in the summertime in a woodland setting or a savanna right. setting, mm-hmm. ideally. And, and, and Short that, windows. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, you go from closed canopy forest, which is no value to, a, to uh, wildlife, particular white-tailed deer, bobwhite quail, and then you turn that into way more production as far as you're getting all kinds of grasses and forbs, great cover, great forage for the deer, and then you bring the cows through, which helps those plant communities. Although you think that they're... There's two main natural disturbances that happen on landscape, fire and grazing. And and if there's been research that shows that grazing, when done correctly, improves the soil health, improves the land. But after four years of no grazing, it starts to deteriorate and it gets less productive. So mm-hmm. our land is meant to be grazed. It's meant to be burned in, in a lot of places. And so trying to replicate that is a way to improve the land but also make money. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like In your guys' area, just because you see that land as the way it stands with, with the coastal Bermuda stuff, it doesn't have to stay that way. Right. That's where that elbow grease stuff comes in. Yeah. Um, or, or if... If it's not ideal pasture, if it's not like grazeland right now, and it looks kind of scrubby, there's places in Missouri right now where we've got clients who are buying um, property for 650 bucks an acre or under $1,000 an acre because it's been timbered, and it's like, hey, it looks it looks kind of like an eyesore, but that's great habitat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it can sure. be managed. Yeah. Why not? Don't overlook that scrubby land and... Just basically use it as an opportunity to continue management and make it into what you want. So, like, you're talking about grazing on y'all's place. Um, 
the presentation you showed, well, you had a ton of food plots. And you're talking about doing rotation on that. That's a lot of fencing and stuff, right? Are you fencing those or are you doing them seasonally and just letting your cows on whenever you don't have a poly wire? Yep. Poly wire. So just it's a, not a barbed wire, just five, a hot wire five. around those and that's what it will good. be. Yeah. 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 And and there's so many benefits to proper intensive grazing management. Mm-hmm. And management being the key word, because so many times that gets neglected. I mean, how many times do you drive across a cattle farm and you just see a huge pasture and a bunch of cows dumped out there and they spend eight months out of the year on that one pasture? Oh, that's our whole county. Just, so, yeah. yeah. Used, used and abused. Most of the places in this country. And there's so much research, too, now that is studying the – I'll give you an instance. Missouri Department of Conservation is doing a seven-year study on bobwhite quail and how to improve populations. And they did one comparison with traditional northern bobwhite quail management. Strip disking, planting milo, planting millets, planting shrubs, planting grasses, strip disking, all that stuff that takes a lot of money and it's devoted Time. to quail management. There's mm-hmm. nothing else. Right. Mm-hmm. Then they took natural native prairie and started strip grazing it. And they saw a huge increase in the quail population. It was like threefold to what was happening on the traditional Bob White quail. Hmm. So what's and all that? they did was replicate what, nature. What, it defined strip grazing. As so, in taking a bunch of cows. So you take, you've got that huge herd of, let's just say, 100, 100 head. Mm-hmm. And they're out on, I don't know, 50 acres of pasture. Or maybe it's 100 acres of pasture, and they spend it all. At, you now shrink them down to a big herd, put them in a... Let's just say five-acre blocks across that whole 50-acre pasture. Mm-hmm. They're here one day, you move them the next day, they're here, then you move them the next day into these other five-acre pastures, and you're moving them across the landscape, but giving all that grass time to rest. Mm-hmm. And and they found in that study that these quail and, and close association would follow behind the actual cattle herds as they're strip grazing because the cattle are going to defecate, and that brings in bugs, and they've trampled all this stuff that the quail can maneuver in and around. So, again, it's just replicating nature nature but the wildlife response is incredible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's That's not cool. like you're eating it to the ground they're no. leaving right they're basically eating a third and leaving a third mm-hmm. or because they're trampling another third yeah, yeah. right there's, there's still structure instead of it just being lip high pasture mm-hmm. it's a that's it, it the looks, thing it's, it's kind of you you think for some reason maybe it's the english blood in all of us we think we got to have this beautiful little english lawn look or whatever but the kingdom the, yeah <laughs> the, the, the mother don't get me started on green yards yeah. it drives me crazy yes. uh, yeah. and so you look at that and it's like that's for some reason what we think we got to have but then you look at properly rotational graze it's like there's clumps of stuff and it's just mm-hmm. like oh that doesn't look great but the animals are thriving off of it, not just the cows. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you throw in chickens, as he mentioned earlier, and pink eye being a big problem for cows. People are now starting to use chickens in a rotation behind the cows to eat the flies and the and the larvae. So it's not where carried it helps. To cow to cow. But they're getting this oh. fantastic diet of flies and other bugs to where you ever seen a yolk of a of an egg from a in a pen. Sure, yeah, yeah. Everybody has this yellow, mm-hmm. but you see an oak from like a free range on a on an insect diet, it's almost orange. Yeah. It has way more nutrition in Tastes it. Tastes way better too. Yeah. We buy yard eggs. Yeah. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And so you could do that. Mm-hmm. And that's just another way to make money. Yeah. So you guys, we're having this conversation, and you didn't know if you'd ever own a farm. Now we got you living on the farm, making your income there. <laughs> yeah. Buying that? it from y'all. <laughs> I yeah, told you we what, 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 what <laughs> 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 and, and, and it's like one of those things that 
we're at that cusp where more and more people are starting to start. That's the way I've done it, or that's the way Dad did it. Now there's legit research to prove that these grazing techniques are working and effective, and mm-hmm. then still improving habitat. Mm-hmm. Still, or, or just not even improving, but just keeping it even in some instances. Right. Which, because most times cattle, especially in, in woodlots, are just left. Man, that's bad. Mm-hmm. It takes mm-hmm. years, years to have that regeneration come back. Sure. If left unmanaged. But the big thing is it takes management to do it all. Mm-hmm. And when you think about when, what were the deer doing before fences and what were they doing with the bison? Well, they just kind of moved around. around. Right. Yeah. And whenever you send the bison through, the bison went through. Um, they, a lot of your summer annuals, so your ragweeds, to where mm-hmm. high-quality forage for the deer Great seed for the quail, adding more diversity to the, to the landscape. Mm-hmm. So how do you find that piece of property? Like when you... Call us. I was like, contact us. <laughs> Outside of that. No, actually, no, within those bounds, though, for sure. I mean, like, you want, as a deer hunter, you want big buck potential, you know. Mm-hmm. You want the, you want, that comes through mature bucks, Um uh, you want a fair price because you're looking for return on investment. Good question. Because like opportunities where you're going to buy inexpensive land, it never gets to the market. Because mm-hmm. there's people out there obviously else looking for it. They mm-hmm. want the deal too. Um, so network connections and, uh, locally. Uh, become and so. a realtor yourself. <laughs> That's a potential. Yeah. 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 Um, another option. This is kind of taking a little We're turn. Kind of refer. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always the option of referring you guys to another agent or something like mm-hmm. that in the area. But um, is lease to purchase options too mm-hmm. within and and make sure no one else gets it. That takes a special seller, one who's got the mindset and, and honestly doesn't need that cash right away. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those those really cheap properties, people are in a bind and they need cash and mm-hmm. you, they have to sell at a cheap price because they want it sold fast. But networking get building relationships with landowners i mean I, everyone who deals with land especially farmers like they're tied to that land like they've got their heart and soul poured into that property into that land and if if you come to them and can share a similar mindset of land just loving the land and wanting to take care of it and appreciate for what it is and manage it and you know one of our the Prairie Hollow property that you saw us do our demonstration on today, that that came into the hands of just volunteering and building a relationship. And the landowner's absentee, he's an absentee landowner, and he lives in Florida, and he just bought some ground in Missouri, and we introduced ourselves and started building a relationship. And over the years, just started trusting each other more and more. And then all of a sudden, he almost sold the property. It was kind of like I don't I don't really know if I. I kind of need, I'm not, we're not doing anything. I'm not making any money off of it. I'm not getting to enjoy it. And then he's like, I just don't know if I can bear, bear selling it. And I said, let's, let's do something about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And it basically handed us the keys and said, turn it into what you want. Now, awesome. yeah. for us, it's always to look at it and say, what was, what was here before man screwed it up? Clark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically before but white man real. came along and yeah. jacked everything up. You know, yeah. it's funny because I talk about this all the time because there's the California banning, like, or wanting to put a tax on, on dairy farms because of gas or methane mm, yeah. off the cows. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. do you not realize there were millions of bison running? 60 this? million. <laughs> 75 <laughs> at one point. They th- 75 uh, the million, peak? they believe. Yeah. yeah. And that we... 
Where do you has it changed? It's, you know, is it a different methane? Like, what are y'all thinking? <laughs> it's it's the way the, the entire environment works and processes all this, and yeah. the way like you have those intense pockets. Well, it wasn't intense pockets like that. It was spread they're out. In a desert trying to grow alfalfa, yeah. and they're like you yeah. all right. this Crazy. water that's. I watched. Hurting. I watched the same one. I know yep. which one you're talking about. I, I, I can't remember what it was. Beat but. my head against the wall, going, "How yeah. stupid are we? Like, yeah. I don't go to the marsh and try to grow." Uh, Whatever I'm trying to even think of cabbage, a dry, right? I, I don't know, try to grow cabbage in a marsh, <laughs> yeah. and I don't go to the mountains way up top and try to grow alfalfa on a, on a mountaintop. Like, why do we try to go to a desert and grow something that's not yeah. like should not be farming sand or something? something you know? I just drove through that uh, San Luis Valley, right? And that's one of where Alamosa, Colorado, is yeah. or whatever. You know, yeah. it's the you know, it's I don't know how many how many square miles it is. It's giant. It's all potatoes and alfalfa. alfalfa and it's like yeah. there's no water. So, yeah. Yeah. New Mexico's horrible arizona's yeah. bad mm-hmm. southern california it's so what do you guys have you ever seen the uh, national geographic 50 years ago this was a wasteland Mm-mm. it's got a, a oh. guy you check that out oh you're gonna Dude, love you're, it you really it's will got one of the it. guys from the uh, church he was one of the owners of church's chicken oh and he yeah? took a big piece of ground upstream from austin i believe and it was the roughest nastiest piece of ground they drilled 11 wells no water couldn't find it and he said at one point the guy told him that he was drilling, and his drill bit dropped fifty foot into a like a, a underground cavern. But there was what no water. Would have been in it. an aquifer. Mm-hmm. Should have been. Mm-hmm. So they're like, "How do we fix this?" Well, a year Little after they removed all that and started implementing this native grass, first spring popped up, Boop, bubbling <laughs> out cool. of the ground. Yeah. Now there's like fourteen or fifteen springs that all hold water. There's like amphibious life. In them now, because mm-hmm. they run year round. And, That's and, cool. and basically, what, right? what That's we cool. have in in simple terms was you had a landscape built to shed water, and it run off, or hits get the absorbed creek. before it even reaches on yep. cedars mm-hmm. from and the heat. Then, and now we have a landscape that's a sponge that's just as soon as it rains, it sucks it in, fills up the underground aquifers. Once those are filled up, it comes out in the form of a spring. Mm-hmm. And that's really when you think about our landscape. We had the native grass and, uh, yeah. and tall fescue, fescue and all a list is a mile long of non-native perennials that we think is the option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But really, it was right in front of our face. We just thought we had a better option. Yeah. The whole thing is it's been in place. It has been in place the whole time. We've just screwed it up. Honestly, yeah. we just need to understand, and I think we are. Um, and that's why I think, like, going back to, like, that rotational grading, there's there's movements back towards this natural, uh, understanding the natural environment, the way buffalo would have grazed. And, okay, well, let's implement that to this, our, our cattle operation. Well, we can do that back to our native landscape as well and get back to it and just honestly look at the way it used to be and how just uh, it was designed. But then we talk about food plots, too. Yeah, that's, that's right. Not natural. You that's know? not. In my mind, like, there's always, like, this little, like, I don't know, like the dirty side of food plots. It just doesn't feel right because one of it's our, not real. One of our biggest dreams is to own a property without food plots and show that you can grow big deer without them. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100% believe Food it. plots are a hunting strategy. Right. You can't, if you look at your food plot program as I'm feeding my deer so they can be healthier, Yeah, you're not improving your habitat the way you should. Sure. Right. Craig Harper down there, you know, he's just pounding away on burn and grow grasses and these guys are like, so what do I do if I plant, you know, I plant a half an inch deeper or, you know, like, <laughs> you're not getting it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The yeah. emphasis needs to completely shift uh, again because we said they don't during the, the food plots, but they do become advantageous for hunters to be able to concentrate deer, but really 
there are natural food plots out there if we manage correctly throughout the landscape. Sure, yeah, I can. I know of one perfectly. I have a buddy that's got a place in the hill country of Texas, which y'all are probably familiar with, you yeah. know. And uh, they don't run feeders. They just kind of have whatever comes up. I wouldn't say native because, you know, there's plenty of invasives and crap running mm-hmm. around or growing down there. But he had, like, three acres probably that burnt because of lightning strike. And green stuff came up, you know, and... <laughs> Did it's you watch response. Marcus Lashley's talk? We weren't here for that one. No, uh, we got wonderful. here late. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Uh, I, I love that one. That's probably my favorite beneficial aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. Uh, man, I'm, and like, I feel like we could hash things out for a long time here, uh, but we have a masquerade to go to. So <laughs> uh, let's just call it a banquet. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. All right. So I have a, a question I do want to get in. Okay. Sure. So um, for me, like, I, I'm not a landowner yet, and I have this big aspiration of being that. Yeah. And I feel like like what you're talking about with the natural progression of selling, buying, selling, buying, um, it's going to be real hard to rip the Band-Aid off the first time and sell that place because I've worked so hard to get to it. You know, like, mm-hmm. is there any way to, like, overcome that? Or, like, how did y'all – how do you deal with that? You right. Because I – Right down the dream. Right yeah. down the goal. This is something we do with our consulting business is trying to find what the wife likes with the land, whether mm-hmm. that be flowers or hummingbirds or whatever it is. Gotcha. And trying to improve off that because it's it that just way. as important mm-hmm. for the wife to be in love with the land for as sure. it is the husband. Yeah. And so that's Trust where us. I see we that know. whole, <laughs> yeah, I, that's personal experience yeah. to try and find that. Maybe it's a shooting range on the place. Mm-hmm. And, Our wives uh, do love to shoot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, we've taken them out multiple We don't times. do it much because they're way better than we are at it. Hey, <laughs> I'm not, you're not lying. Something about women, they can shoot better. That's right. I'm not, not kidding at all. And so that's kind of a, a mindset with this whole holistic approach. It's a labor of love, but what you're you're giving yourself, if you look at it like this, if you're giving yourself another opportunity to have a labor of love by mm-hmm. selling and, and basically expanding that labor of love. Mm-hmm. You're putting sweat equity into it, um, and you're enjoying it as you're, there's value to that, you're enjoying it as you're making this transformation, um, but then you're, you're giving yourself an opportunity to do it again. That makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes or sense. Or you just... Build it enough, and you build a relationship with the neighbors to where they they see the dream, and you try to expand off that home base Mm -hmm. to the neighbor and continue that broad spectrum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like elevator music. That's it. Maybe it is elevator. (laughs) I mean, it's recorded in the Ritz Carlton in New Orleans. It's live. There's probably a microphone in the elevator, and people are like, who are these people talking? (laughs) (laughs) That's it. So what's the best way to catch up with you guys for the listener? Ooh. Land and Legacy on Facebook and Instagram and landandlegacy.tv, podcast, Sportsman's Nation, podcast network. We Just release on Tuesday mornings. iTunes, Stitcher, our Facebook page, or our website. Yep. Uh, Matt's cell phone number is fine. Sorry. We'll add that in the show notes later That's on. It. So That's it. Anyway, man, yeah. appreciate it, guys. Man, there's just some people that, like, I, I can tell right off the bat that, like, we kind of had this little, like, I'm, I can be, I can definitely, like, I'm the kind of guy that likes to have like prank a little bit and jack with people a little bit here and there when I know they can take it, you know. And I could tell like immediately that these guys were that way, you know. So oh yeah. I, I really, I really appreciate people like that that I can uh, mess with and <clears throat> prank around, and they do the same thing. Like I, there's something about like every time I look at Adam, it's like he's up to something, you know. <laughs> yeah. What else is cool is that uh, 
I am the kind of person who can like go back and forth between like really serious convo and just laugh my head off and back to really serious convo and that's kind of how mm-hmm. they can do you know they can move fluid, fluidly through those things and that's kind of sure. how I like to do things too because I don't ever like to be too serious but I really yeah. enjoy serious convo and learning things mm-hmm. but I don't want it ever to be stuffy you know what right. I mean and that's definitely not what we just did yeah no it's uh like like I said earlier like it's I knew we were going to be best friends whenever we <laughs> whenever we met him, you know. It's just one of those things, man. You can just tell sometimes when you really like some guy and and uh, like hanging out and enjoying and talking about hunting and hunting properties and all that kind of thing. So I hope this kind of inspired you guys a little bit. Um, I know that we've got, uh, like we said earlier, we're going to be pulling trail cameras this week. But by the time you guys hear this, uh, hopefully we'll have a PLC out from that. So you might check on the YouTube channel and see if we've got um, we've got the 2018 PLC playlist, Public Land Chronicles playlist. Uh, so you can go check that on our YouTube channel, and make sure to subscribe if you're not uh, already subscribed. While you're there, uh, that way you can be notified when we do launch uh, new videos. But uh, speaking of new videos, we had some epic trips recently, and um, only one of us had a camera at the time. But I was able to document a lot of the native cutthroat trout that I caught on my trip and a couple of pretty decent rainbows and brown trout. So if you haven't seen, haven't seen it yet, our most recent video or somewhere right around our most recent videos is going to be one that says five native cutthroats in 10 days, I believe is the title of it. So uh, if you like fishing or fly fishing or just kind of adventure through mountain country or really awesome vistas, check that out. Um, it's got some pretty cool stuff. I did uh, I used the new GoPro, and I built a third-person um, apparatus of some sorts that, like, has really cheap straps on it so it doesn't stay straight. That way, you know, you get to look at the computer screen and tilt your head the whole time. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's cool. I hope you guys enjoy that if you enjoy that kind of thing. Otherwise, if you're more of a hunter or the hunting type, the PLC should be out soon if it's not already. Anything else? Get out there, check your trail cameras, make yeah. sure you're being smart with where you're hanging them. And remember, this is your element. Living it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to Land com they've got ranches forests mountains streams you name it search by acreage you can search by location you can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of land.com it is where the adventure begins hey we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries now if you're like me enjoying the great outdoors you need gear that is as reliable as it gets that's why i power my adventures with interstate batteries I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 